I'm getting old, real old. Like things are just starting to bother me more. I was cranky this morning. I didn't, I didn't get to sleep last night. I think it's a big part of it. Why you is know, that? I just, I was excited from the finals. I was mm-hmm, thinking about sure. the game and man, I, I think that when it comes to, Blake Murphy is here. I think that when it comes to my favorite sport to think about legacies and the greats and huge moments, it's the NBA. Mm-hmm. It was my first love. And I've said this many times before, but it's out of all the sport, the team where, or the, out of all the sports, the one where the teams, the best teams and the best players end up on the biggest stages with regularity. Hockey, right? Like we have the Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup finals right now against the Vegas Golden Knights. Like Aiden Hill tonight could be crowned as the second most important player on a Stanley Future Cup. Future winner, Aiden Hill. Yeah, yeah very so, cool playoffs for Matt Kachuk and Brandon Montour. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, that's, uh, that's about it. But... The NBA Finals is usually either a coronation of an individual or of a team. And the cool thing about the Nuggets last night that I couldn't get over and I kept thinking about was that it's the coronation of both. Mm-hmm. You know, like it really does feel right now. And, and I try to avoid the recency bias thing because it definitely happens, right? You know, Blake scolded me about being prisoner of moment last night in the text messages, even though I was teasing him. I was trying to I talk know, yeah. you up. I was trying to <laughs> yeah. build you up but, and just be like, look, the reason you feel bad about your take is because you're an yeah, idiot. Yeah, you're yeah, overreacting. No. But that is kind of my move. I am trying. Like, that is that is what has made me me. But also, yeah, um, I do think that Nikolai Jokic is unquestionably the best player in the NBA at this point. Mm-hmm. And I also think that the Denver Nuggets are a team that look fairly poised to continue this run because of his brilliance, because of who Jamal Murray is as a number two, although his health will always be a big question mark. And just like the way that their team is built. I'm curious if you're feeling the same way today, Blake. I very much am. And I think that I know it didn't get major, major headlines, but them making a trade the other day with the Oklahoma City Thunder before they had wrapped this championship up. A I trade. didn't even see that. What so they that? traded a 2019 first round or 2029 first round pick. So a oh, post- 2019. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> yeah. got, they, they traded Jamal you Murray. You can do that. Like you, can, <laughs> you can go back in time and be like, you know what? We made a bad pick. You yeah. can have it. That's you you can have a do-over. Yeah. Uh, no, a 2029 first round pick. So like a far out pick that post, you know, Jokic could be a free agent in 2027. Who knows what that pick could be? Mm-hmm. The Thunder have more picks than they could ever possibly use. So the Thunder gave them a couple of like low firsts and a second over the next little window here for a much better future first. So the the Thunder cashing in three assets for one better asset. But for the Nuggets, that was we know with our salary structure with Jokic, Murray, Porter, Gordon, and KCP all in the books still that we're going to need this continued pipeline of Mm -hmm. cheap, inexpensive talent. Um, And I don't mean that in an anti-labor way, but you look around this roster and they've done really, really well with those cheap guys, even with Bones Highland not really working out. You look at Christian Brown has been, was terrific for them. Yeah, I know. And you liked him at one point. Now it's like he's the loser who left Jokic. Yeah, he's uh, (laughs) tough. He tough. he's headed down a, a path where he's going to average 15 points a game for All some right. bad teams. Yeah, no, it's, hey, it's congrats great. Congrats to him. Yeah, no, yeah. It's really um, good. But no, I, I think it signaled that they know that this course together and that it's a very top top heavy salary structure. Mm-hmm. But you look at some of the guys they've hit on with, with lower end moves, like a Bruce Brown, like a Christian Brown. Um, you know, he didn't really play much in this playoffs, but I think Peyton Watson will be that guy for them next year, kind of mm-hmm. coming up and giving them bench depth. This is a team that's in it with this top four 
for the long haul. And they're locked up for at least two more seasons before anyone hits an option year or anything like that. And none and of Bruce the, Brown's a free agent this year. Bruce right? Brown can become a free agent. Sorry, yeah. when I the top four, Jokic, yeah, yeah, Murray, yeah. Porter, main, Porter, Gordon. Main four guys. Yeah, they're not going to be able to keep Bruce Brown unless Bruce Brown's going to take a, a major haircut, just the way bird rights work and the fact that he'd only been there one year and stuff. But KCP's still there. Um, mm-hmm. All of their young bench depth. Zeke Naji, who had, had some moments this year. Anyway, those guys aren't as important as Jokic, Murray, Porter, Gordon, but the way you keep those four together and all still, by the way, in their peak years, not none of those guys are like 35 or anything like that. Um, the way you do that is continuing to find those guys at the margins. And that's something the Nuggets have done well and something they've signaled like, yeah, this is the group and they know how to plug in the pieces around those guys that maximize them. And it's, it's pretty interesting to look back on what these Jokic teams have looked like the last couple of years in the playoffs, because mm-hmm. with Jamal Murray out each of the last two playoffs, it has looked at times like Jokic is dragging a not very good team, but you look back now and it's like, well, they swapped out Monty Morris for KCP or Bruce Brown, whichever one of them you you want to say took that salary slot. Like Monty Morris rules. Everyone likes him a lot. He was a good fit there. They have made some tough decisions with these things too. Um, the Aaron Gordon trade was not like a resounding slam dunk at the moment either. The, the fit was questionable, but they have done a, a really, really good job recognizing and executing what works best around Jokic and Jamal Murray. And I don't think that's going on. Honestly, the only question is like, does Michael Porter Jr. do the kind of thing that his player type sometimes does in disease of more, right? He wants, he's got the contract, but does he want more touches? Does he want a bigger role? Does that disrupt anything? I, I don't think that's a likelihood, but it's the only thing you're really worried about with this team. So I was looking at minutes per game um, from their 2022 team. They sucked, man. The, the number two guy was Will Barton, and we just saw him in a Raptors uniform. And, and Will Barton was better than who he was with the Raptors, but I, I think that kind of shows you what an elevator Nikolai Jokic is. And so, yeah. to and me, to this be clear, is, Murray and Porter miss, both missed that entire season. Yeah, and th- definitely. And this is why there's a huge question, I think, with the Nuggets in terms of their future is, do you try and move off of Michael Porter Jr. to change some of your roster knowing that it might have... Like, it might behoove you to try to keep a guy like Bruce Brown and move off of a guy like Michael Porter Jr. if someone else views that they would take that salary. And just based on how difficult it is moving forward to be a championship-caliber team year over year if you're hitting that second apron where you lose stuff like the mid-level exception and the ability to make trades like the one that I think Denver, the trade that you're talking about, they wouldn't have been able to make. The Aaron Gordon one? N- no, or the, 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 the 2029 draft pick. Yeah, is it far certain... enough out? Yeah, uh, no, I think I think you would be okay there. But yes, okay. You're, Denver's also a team, by the way, that yes, they, they haven't completely skimped, but like they're owned by the Cronkies. That is not yeah. a, an ownership group that has been very hungry to spend in the luxury tax. I texted Cronky yesterday. yesterday doing the post speech into the ear yeah. rather than into the microphone was rather interesting. Like he wanted to keep it a secret. He was like, these guys I really am proud of. Yeah. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. She's like, the microphone is right the here. Like right there. Please the, speak into the microphone. Yeah. But anyway, the ownership group that's charging $30 to go to their uh-huh. version of Jurassic Park, uh, I don't know is super willing to spend into the deep, deep tax. So I do think that that's a I consideration. Like that Raptors fans would keep that close to the vest. Blake, <laughs> 
Blake Blake knows how much they're charging for their version of Jurassic Park, which she calls it that. Yeah. And then he also used the term not to be anti-labor when discussing <laughs> cheap talent in yeah. professional sports, yeah. which is where guys are all millionaires. But anyways, hold on. Let's stick to Jokic here for a second because, yeah, we'll get into the Nuggets stuff because, yeah, I think that their future is extremely bright, and I do think that this is incredibly sustainable. But I want to talk about just, like, his legacy already after that finals because, first of all, I thought it was incredible that – he wins the first Bill Russell award upon Bill Russell's death. That didn't even dawn on me until Adam Silver brought it up and he was handing him the championship. And I went, oh man, this is so great. And especially because he is clearly the next great big man. And it actually puts, I've, in a way, I actually feel bad for Joel Embiid because the discrepancy between the two players when you're watching this finals is so clear and obvious that there's an incredible East Coast bias and that the Sixers narratively are way more interesting and that they have a way better PR machine and a player who's willing to, you know, gripe about his headlines and his press clippings. And you're watching these finals going, there is just absolutely no way Joel Embiid would ever take over the way that Jokic has through these last two rounds, sweeping the Lakers and then beating the Miami Heat in five I mean, games. We can't say that Joel Embiid wouldn't do it in these last two rounds because he's never gotten there to show it. Yeah, it's just not a thing. And I, I was, you know, you go through the great big man. I do think that Dwight Howard gets a little disrespected because during his peak in Orlando, he was terrific, but he wasn't this. No, you have to go back to Tim Duncan, who also gets skipped. By the way, nobody puts it's, Tim it's Duncan because the Spurs were so adamant all the time that Tim, like, I know. I, I think you and I have talked about this before, where like we have all just kind of categorically agreed that Tim Duncan is a power forward just to make this conversation easier. Where it's I like, yes, it. Tim Duncan is the best power forward of all time, even though he played center like 90% of the okay, time. Okay, but here's the thing. Nobody talks about power forwards anymore, right? Like, in when we, it was our heyday when it was like 90s basketball where Yeah, Tim Young Duncan Blake, and KG were two of the best players yes, in the league. Yes, and there was like Sean Kemp and Carl Malone, right? It was, it felt like a power forwards league for a little while there. Charles Barkley was considered a power forward. So now though, when do you ever talk about power forwards? Is there power forwards? I like I would not describe. I mean, Aaron Gordon is technically <laughs> know, a power I mean. forward. If you, but like we've gone pretty far away from the traditional positional definitions, right? Like exactly. Like there are maybe twenty point true point guards in the league, yep. and twenty to twenty five centers who are just like centers by way of being seven feet tall. That's it. And then everyone else is some version of wing slash forward slash off guard. But Duncan was a center and I actually yes, he want to play power forwards as like his yes. third year in the league. And that's why I want him back in the big man conversation because I feel like we just forget Tim Duncan exists because we yeah. don't have power forward conversations. We have all time big man conversations. And basically it has gone, this guy is the best since Shaq. And I'm like, no, he's the best since Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan was there. He was a center. He's one of the greatest centers of all time. But I was thinking about this like, man, he's a two-time MVP. He now is going to go down in the Michael Jordan pantheon of, you know how we go through Jordan's career? Like he was robbed by Carl Malone that one season. And all of us just recognize that it's that. And I hate to say this, but Steve Nash has one of those too. But uh, Nash has one of those, but also the third one that they were like, no, we can't give you three in yeah. a row. He actually deserved it. That So he should still have two, Fine. just a different two Fine. than the two that he had. Fine. I'm <laughs> just saying that looking back on the second Nash one, yes. it can be a little difficult at times yeah. when you look at his field. But yeah, Jokic is a finals MVP. He's the best player in the league. He's he's unquestionably the best passing big of all time. Like with all due respect to yeah, Bill Walton and Arvita Sabonis, who people show little grainy highlights of in the USSR. This guy is the greatest passer of all time. He made even a couple of last game where you go, 
we don't even think about what he's doing anymore because he makes it look so effortless on some of these breakout passes. Like, you remember the Kevin Love conversation that happened the other day during one of the finals games where yeah, they were like, with you, his are, passes, the, you yeah. are the greatest outlet passer in the game. And then I'm watching Jokic, like, catch him one hand off the boards as he makes incredible defensive rebounds and just whip them to guys in transition going, I don't know, I think that guy's pretty good too. <laughs> anyway, um, what do you... Where do you think he's going to end up here? I know it's a really hard conversation because we never saw Bill Russell and we never saw Wilt Chamberlain. We didn't see Kareem. But it feels like he's very clearly headed into that class of player, at least, that he is going to be a part of those debates for the next, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah, I, I think he is. And, you know, you've the, the easiest thing about it for entering him into those conversations is he's checked the big boxes, right? Have you mm-hmm. been the best player in the league at one point? Well, he won two MVPs and was probably the best player in the league again this year. Um, you know, I, I can get there with people voting for Embiid because, like, the attrition of the season and Jokic and the Nuggets tailed off and yeah. whatever. It was mostly just Embiid wanted it more. Plus um, us in Toronto, all we saw was the Nuggets look very mediocre in the two games. Yes, that the we, yes the Raptors hung a banner yeah. for the only time the Nuggets <laughs> looked vulnerable this year yeah. was in Toronto. Yeah. Um, so he's he's checked off being the best player in the league at one point. He's checked off the MVP. He's now checked off a championship and a, a finals MVP. And the type of finals MVP that, like, I don't know, man, I, I don't think anyone can... Like, you know how some people with the 2019 Raptors do the, oh, this or all oh, that, and then the the bubble Lakers. By the way, KCP with two two rings in the last little yeah. bit. Um, like, the, I don't think there's anything you can do with no. this. Like, yes, Giannis was banged up. He lost in the first round in five games. Yeah. The Celtics blew it. The Heat were better than all the teams they ran into, and the Nuggets went through a thresher in the Western Conference. And, yeah, teams got hurt. Players got hurt. Everyone gets hurt. They also made it far in the last two playoffs without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. So um, I think Jokic is already checking a lot of boxes. And then he's also like very young still. He's got a lot of basketball ahead of him. I I joked before that like he's not a free agent until 2027. That's because he's on like his first big deal until 2027. Uh, He's only 28 right now. So he's got Mm -hmm. probably, you know, given how that player type tends to age, at least three more years of like, an all, even if he say this is the absolute peak, he doesn't touch this level. He's going to be an all NBA guy for at least another couple years. Um, so yeah, I mean, you look, he's already got five all NBAs, five mm-hmm. all stars, two MVPs. Like it's going to be really hard not to have him in those conversations. The question is just going to be, you know, with Tim Duncan and with Shaq and with Bill Russell mm-hmm. and Kareem, like the those guys all have some combination of ridiculous stats, physical dominance, longevity to pad the counting stats, but they all have lots of rings. Mm-hmm. That's the one like Wilt doesn't have that. Wilt's mostly accounting stats and longevity and, and you know, you were the best producer in the league for a really long time, but all those other guys have multiple rings. Tim Duncan won what? Five mm-hmm. Shaq won obviously lots. Um, Bill Russell won more than four. anyone will ever win. Mm-hmm. Shaq won four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Shaq won four, and then who was the other name? Kareem won a, a whole bunch, too, with those those Lakers teams. So that's going to be the question for Jokic, I think, because even if you're the best player in the league for, say, let's say Rails off two more MVPs, and he was the best player in the league over a five-year stretch, if you only have one ring, and 10 years from now we're comparing you to Shaq and Kareem and those guys, that's probably going to be the first thing people look at, fair or otherwise. You know what, though? What I find extremely compelling in his case is that if you go through the championship years, and I mentioned, usually it's either, uh, you can usually remember if it was more about a team Mm -hmm. and the coordination of that team or a tandem or whatever, or if it was about one specific individual, right? So out of all the championship runs that I'm going to remember, 
Last year was like a lifetime achievement award for Steph Curry. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, and he did, he took over. He was clearly the best player in the series against the Boston Celtics, but the Celtics at times choked that series away. It was close. There were moments where you felt like they should have beat Golden State, like Andrew Wiggins had huge moments. And Jamal Murray had big moments in this series too. But throughout this playoff run, it was just clear it was Jokic, 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 Jokic. He led in points. He led in rebounds. He led in assists. That is one of the most unique runs by a player in a finals ever. And he did it by sweeping LeBron James. And a LeBron James team that I think we looked at and went, "Mm, you know what, they were actually pretty decent. (laughs) And he was healthy. But if you look back, like Giannis, I thought, was going to have the finals that I remembered the most. Because against Phoenix... And I don't want to be disrespectful to Giannis because the numbers are insane. He averaged 35, 13, and 5. I'd also say if we're doing best player in the league still, like he's the one guy that, you know, at his very best. Yeah. But I will say this. Jokic, to me, even on the play where Jimmy Butler turns the ball over, it's nice help by Jokic. Jokic's defensive rebounding probably doesn't get brought up enough in his um, is he a good defensive player conversation. Like, the ball stops with Jokic down there. He makes just an incredible amount of rebounds. The way that he's able to read it off the rim, the way that he boxes out, the way that he can tip it to teammates, yeah. it's a huge part of his defense. But go through that, like, LeBron in the bubble, eh, like, it's yeah. a bubble championship. Giannis did close out the finals with a 50-piece, though. He did. That's a, it's a huge one. So That's like, why his finals, though, his finals was the most impressive part of it. Like, no doubt about it, Giannis took over in that finals, and it was one of the most brilliant finals experiences I've ever seen. I just mean, like, Jokic's dominance... Tip to tail from the playoffs. Oh, yeah. The fact that Denver... Well, how many games did Denver lose? Four? Four. Yeah, four games. 16 and four. Yeah, that they lost four games throughout the entire finals. Like, that's just a little different level of dominance from a player. Even I was thinking about this. Kawhi, who carried the Raptors. I thought there was more parallels between the Raptors and the Heat than there were, like, the Raptors and the Nuggets with the way that Jokic was With Jimmy playing. and the Kawhi role. Yeah, just, and Kyle weirdly still in the Kyle role. Yeah, Kyle. Bam in the Pascal role. Yeah, and, yeah pretty much. Yeah. But I, I go through it in the last, again, the last 10 years, I would say that the only performance that was more impressive to me is LeBron in 2016 coming back against uh, Golden State. And ev- if you James. go through every single other one, I would say that that's it. Like, it's it's Jokic. It's, that's the second most impressive run by any player to me. And to your point about, you know, sometimes it's a coordination of a team, sometimes it's a coordination of a player. Like, this absolutely does not discredit any of these guys at all. But, like, Duncan was a part of a trio, yep. and Shaq was a part of a duo for his first three. And then... Kevin Durant won two finals MVPs that no one... did. The only memorable thing about Kevin Durant's two finals MVPs is that was Steph that... Steph didn't win them? Well, is and <laughs> the one pull-up in game three. Yeah. When it felt like Miami was going to pull away with that game and he stepped up and hit that bomb of a three-pointer right in LeBron's face. And look, the truth is, is that a- anyone who gets in this conversation, anyone we're mentioning here, has mm-hmm. reached such an, a level that, yes, compared to anyone else, it's ridiculous. It's not even close. Like, like Steph averaged 30 in the playoffs this year. For mm-hmm. like, like, the bar is so significantly high but like you said to lead the entire playoffs points rebounds assists 16 and 4 in the playoffs and honestly like did they sweat like no. I, I know the games themselves were difficult and it's a huge huge grind but like was there a point in any of these series this last game like but that you thought the nuggets might lose the series no but i did think it was it was a fascinating game to watch because it was also another jokic night all of his teammates looked shaky for a lot of the game. And I will say that Jokic, uh, he bears a little bit of that blame because he took a really stupid second foul, kind of trying to 
put himself in front of. I can't remember who the Heat player was, but it was a it was a pretty common play that guys try to make in the NBA. They they also I know they won, so we don't need to yep. nitpick coaching. They they overmanaged the foul trouble. Sure, that like Aaron Gordon played seven minutes in the first half. He's not a super high foul guy. You could try Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic both sat for longer stretches of like Murray plus bench and Jokic plus bench, mm-hmm. where they were getting destroyed because they both had two fouls. Like mm-hmm. they overmanaged it a little bit. Yeah. But either way, you're right. Like Jokic went twelve of sixteen, and he actually like how many I, assists should he have had in that game? Is the question ten? And like how often yeah. do you see Jokic? I mean, he didn't lead the team in field goal attempts, but he was one shy. How yeah. often if we went through the playoffs how often did Jokic actually lead the team in field goal attempts probably not all that often but they needed it in this case and um it's funny I I think it's pretty amusing and there's something to be gleaned from the fact that the Nuggets were able to win both high scoring style of games throughout this playoffs and in those games it was I mean I know Jokic had 50 pieces as well but it was Mm -hmm. all about Jokic the playmaker and setting up threes and cutters and stuff like that and then they were also able to win all these rock fights and those are the games where I was like okay Jokic is gonna put the shoulder down and get to the bucket and hit some ridiculous jumpers and stuff like the the ability to win or and you don't win a championship without finding a way to win a couple different styles mm-hmm. of games, but the Nuggets being so comfortable style switching like that is, I think, a big part of that as well. And a big ding to the, well, you can only build one way around Jokic. You can only win one way around Jokic. No, like they, no. they did it in a bunch of different ways over the course of, of those 16. So to me, again, if I'm going through most impressive playoff runs in... I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll pretty much say my adult life. Dirk getting it done against that Miami Heat team, and especially the way that he was able to get it done. LeBron, both, man, LeBron's had a few, but LeBron in 2012, when he won with Miami the first one, averaging 30, 10, and 6, like that's LeBron's best statistical playoff run other than when he lost with Cleveland, where he just basically the final year um, when did not win a championship went 34, nine and nine, like for Jokic to have better numbers in the postseason than any LeBron championship run. I'm not saying he's better than LeBron, obviously. And LeBron is somebody who we all know, like blah, 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 could have had some of those stats. But did you ever feel like Jokic was stat chasing? Like, you know, he never even had a moment like Jamal Murray just trying to get that one extra rebound at the end of a game. He's never stat chasing. What I think is so compelling about him is that he can just beat you in such a variety of ways, like no player other than LeBron, where you go, he's just able to effortlessly back down players. Like Bam at a bio, he had that one play where Bam gets him in isolation in the first half. And he just backs him down all the way to the rim and gets a layup. He's so strong. He's so crafty around the basket. He has this beautiful soft touch. He can knock down a shot from 15 feet. He can knock down the three-point shot when he's got his feet set. And he can shoot it over just about anybody. And then the worst part is, if you're a defense, is like this guy who can easily score 40 on you basically any given night is a better passer than he is a scorer. And so I just I can't remember a guy like that other than LeBron in my lifetime where I went... He's one of the best scoring players in the league, but he's also one of the best playmakers in the league. Like that's why I think he's going to resonate now is that we just, we saw that total package and we saw the way that it dominates. And as boring as he is on a microphone, because my God, where he said, <laughs> we all get to go home now. Is his. Oh, and then his reaction when he found out he doesn't get to go home because uh, the parade's the Thursday. Parade's on Thursday. Yeah. I have to go home. Yeah. He hit 17 potential assists last night. Yeah. 17 yeah. potential assists. And this is the thing. Is like, like, they were hot. What from three yesterday? Like they, they without bad. his non, the shots he didn't take, they were 
yeah. four for 25 yeah. on threes. And I was texting a- with Blake. I thought it was going to be another 27 shots in a row missed Houston game against <laughs> the Warriors. I was really kind of rooting for but, it. I mean, they shot five of 28 and yeah. one. That's yeah. and that's kind of part of this, right? And I mentioned the you know Jokic scoring more in the rock fight style games, and like we went through to use the LeBron comparison, we went through for years here in Toronto of like, mm-hmm. well, what's the better approach defensively? Do you let LeBron get his forty and you stay at home on other guys and you let your defense stay a little more set and make LeBron a score? Do you? send doubles and triples at LeBron. And if Channing Fry beats you, Channing Fry beats you, mm-hmm. there's no good option for that. And then the beauty of a guy like LeBron or Jokic in this playoff run is that you can set up your defense as the Miami Heat did. You know, they played more, they played almost twice as much zone over the course of the playoffs than the rest of the 15 teams combined. That's how much they were trying to manipulate space and, and force the Nuggets shooters to have to be the ones to beat them. But even on a night where they execute that part of the game plan well and Jokic is being the willing passer and stuff like that, he's able to turn that switch back and be like, okay, my guys don't have it. I'm going to bully to the it. rim or, or give it to me at the elbow. I've got this. And and that's that's not just a talent thing. That's a There's a mentality thing yep. to that as well. And again, to use the like anyone who gets to this level, like the Giannis 50 piece to close out was a lot of that, right? Giannis mm-hmm. isn't the playmaker at the level LeBron is to force those questions on your defense. But Giannis is also a, everyone in the league puts three bodies in the paint. And he just found a way that game to just like, I'm just going to keep getting to the rim. I think and Giannis gonna... figured out before all of us though, that Deandre Ayton is incredibly soft because Ayton was having this, this yeah. unbelievable playoff run and everyone was going, man, Ayton, you know, it maybe wasn't the worst pick taking yeah. him over Luca. Look at what he's doing. Everybody needs yeah. a big man. And then he ran into Giannis and Giannis went, you guys are talking about this guy. DeAndre Ayton, by the this way, guy. already starting to threaten miles Turner's NBA record for most trade rumors in a career. Yeah. Uh, and some, I, I just can't, <laughs> I cannot envision a team trading for Aiden. That was my biggest nightmare during the Raptor season was when people were talking about going to get Aiden. I went, please. No, I, I don't think, like that it's Raptor a lot of box season, score watching is what that dude, is. That Raptor season was hard on me. I know it was hard on you. It was hard on this entire city of people who care about that team. To bring in Aiden would have been the gut punch of all gut punches. But to, hey, Serbian basketball on a wave now, though. Yeah, the, to, to just kind of wrap up the Jokic thing, I think that's why, to me, he's unquestionably better than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis is a physical freak. Yes, he got hurt this year. I'm not trying to discredit the finals run that he had and the championship that he won, which was brilliant. I remember sitting there watching Giannis you know, celebrate his championship crying, going, this is exactly what I want in a player. He's brilliant. He hit his free throws, but there is a book on Giannis. You can gap him. You can force him to take shots, jump shots, turn him into a shooter. And it is effective with Jokic. There's just nothing. And that was the beauty of this run is that you look at him. He's one of the most unique players of all time. And if you had to stack up the fiercest competitors in the NBA, the guys where you go, you know, you watch Jokic last night, every time guys putting hands on him, he's like swinging on him. He wants to hit bam. He wants to hit Kyle. There was that moment where Christian Brown got the, like the favorable call under the basket and Jokic, I thought he was going to like pick up the ref and be like, I'm Nikola Jokic. How am I not getting like, I'm not asking you to take the whistle away from my guy. We're going to the free throw line, but how do I not get that call? I I think like the fiercest competitors in the NBA, if I had to make like a quick off the top of my head list, it would be (laughs) Russell Westbrook one, because I just think like, yeah, he's it's Russ Jokic's brothers too. Yeah, no, but (laughs) but don't you think it's like, it's Giannis, it's Westbrook and it's Jokic. Those are the three guys where I watch them and I go, 
There is zero part of these guys where they are going to accept yeah. losing. They're furiously competitive I, out there. I think Jimmy is probably in that conversation as well. Mm, and we Jimmy saw, lost a little bit of that last night. We're, we're going to hear there. Look, I'll just there will be news reports about There's Jimmy a, Butler's health in the coming days. Like yeah, he, he, he wasn't healthy, but I that's know. why he plays the role of Kawhi in my Raptors yes. fake championship. He's is also that he like down. he's also like a decade older than the other guy. Well, half yeah. a decade. He's thirty three. It feels like he's like forty at so, this point. Um, and, our, and our guy Armin who uh, works on the show and is a huge NBA fan. And I, I think that he became very anti Jimmy Butler because I'm not sure why, to be honest, I think it's like maybe some heat hate. He's a Lakers it guy. Nowhere last night. No, he but just it's, it, he's just, he's, he's been dropping little sprinkles of hate of Jimmy Butler, but he posted this to us is like Jimmy Butler in the buck series was averaging almost 38 points a game on 60% shooting 44% from three. The rest of the playoffs, Jimmy averaged little under 24 points, 42% from the field, 31% from three. Like, those are good numbers, but yeah, the whole playoff Jimmy thing, I think, got a little out of control. Anyway, the, I, I don't want to disparage too much about Jimmy Butler, though. He did carry this team at times. Yeah, and I mean, that Heat team had, like, I, I get it. We measure everything by what happens in the finals, and that's what we're talking about right now. But, like, mm-hmm. they have no business being there in the first place. And, and like... I don't know. You saw last night, like Jimmy had that four minute stretch of finding it. Kyle had like a whole quarter where he was just doing Kyle Lowry things. I think he probably dislocated like four shoulders in that game with his sneaky little pin the arm underneath for a, a defensive rebound. Um, anyway, that's a God, cool, that's but, but a rat with, move. with respect, it <laughs> I is. Hate it. I, every <laughs> but, time I see it, I'm like, it's man. our rat move. I know, but it's like, it kind of feels like we let a murderer on the loose and he's doing all these murders and we were just we're enabling him this it. entire time so watching him now in like, a different uniform. As we hit the like, oh, this is the X year anniversary of this Raptors final thing and everyone does it every year and then next year mm-hmm. will probably be the last one for a little bit. It'll be five year and then we won't see them again until 10 year. But like every time that big to, to cap the comeback against the Bucks, where Kawhi runs in transition and throws it down mm-hmm. and Kyle has set him up, the like, it being so visible that he's also clearly fouling Giannis as he hands the ball off to Kawhi. And he has like a piece of the jersey in his hand. It's amazing. It's Um, it's really. But to to your point about Jokic, just because I I think we're going to to Darko at some point in in this hour, right? We'll wrap up the NBA stuff and But I I think something to keep in mind with you when you talk about this fierce competitor level, whatever, and, and it's not unique to... Serbia, but like mm-hmm. if you go back and Darko Rajakovic, you're, you're going to hear him talk about it today, but I, I went back and you know listened to some interviews he did when he was with the Tulsa 66ers and stuff like that and about his coaching path and you hear that like when he was 16, mm-hmm. he was like, I'm not good enough to play basketball at a high level. I'm not going out to like the junior national camps and stuff like that. I can't live without basketball. So he became a coach at 16. He said that I couldn't live without basketball. So I had to become a coach at that age. That is like what this means to those guys. And I'm not saying it doesn't mean that to American players or Canadian player. Obviously it meant an absolute lot to Jamal Murray too. Right. But I do think that, um, you know, you need a little bit of that to reach the level of Nikola Jokic. And it's, you know, it's a part of Jimmy's story. It's a part of Giannis's story. Yeah. It's um, yeah, it's, it's very, very cool. No, no. When we do stuff like this, it's clearly uh, to a degree subjective, right? It's the way that we're viewing these games. But I also think any of us can know that some guys do have that dog in them differently. And you watch certain guys and say, okay, you were able to make it here because you just had that different level of competitiveness. Like Kyle Lowry, if you look at his body and like his physical frame and who he is as an athlete, he never should have made the NBA. If he is not the Kyle Lowry in spirit that he is, 
he's not making it here any which way. Like, he's yeah. not Andre Drummond, who basically, and I think Andre actually takes it a little too harsh sometimes, so I, I hate using his name. But it's not like this guy woke up and he walked into a gym in his high school and the coach went, hey, man, straight up, if, if you learn the mic and drill, you'll get into the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you can learn how to score well, with your left no, hand. No, like the, the Kyle story has this, you know, he tore his ACL and kept yeah. getting in trouble because he was playing pickup runs when he was supposed to be like out in his freshman year at Villanova. And then yes. finally, Jay Wright was like, well, come practice with the team because it's better than you being out there. Jimmy Butler, same thing of like, just like had no idea this was possible. And so the second it becomes 0.0001% possible, that's all you can, you you know, that's where your singular focus becomes. Um, There are a lot of guys like that in the NBA, but I think it's, it's probably a prerequisite to reach this level. No, but that's it. It's, it's very rare to see guys that are at the very top, like Giannis and like Jokic who are like this, Mm -hmm. where it's very clear now, especially in modern day sports, right? Like it's easier to go back when guys only had basketball. Now players have a lot of other interests, right? Like I think Kevin Durant is a fierce competitor. There's no doubt about it. He loves the ball. He identifies himself as that, but he's like Kevin Durant in the boardroom, Kevin Durant doing this, Kevin Durant, like he's got side projects. Nikolai Jokic just wants to go home, race horses, and then show up and play basketball (laughs) and dominate, right? Like same thing with Giannis Antetokounmpo. There's no ancillary stuff to who he is as a basketball player. Kyle Lowry, what Kyle Lowry likes to golf. Yeah. And chill out sometimes. And but then, you know what Kyle Lowry's like as a golfer? Yeah, probably the, the stories worst guy. From, yeah. The stories from the bubble yeah. are just like, yeah, he got Ruined so maniacally competitive <laughs> yeah. about it. And yeah. like, I'm still, I heard coming out of the bubble that like Matt Thomas was the best golfer that was there. But like also Kyle Lowry would beat Matt Thomas regularly. And I'm pretty sure it's because Matt Thomas thought he would get beat up if yeah. he beat Kyle Lowry He's starting too often. to fake it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. two quick, uh, or a couple quick rapid fire things on the finals before we wrap up and do some Raptor stuff. Um, do you think Jokic resonates more now after the finals? I think he has to. I, I don't like he is so fascinating as a figure and mm-hmm. as a basketball player. And we know that the finals bring in more. I, I don't mean casual in like the derogatory way, but like more people tune into the finals yeah. than tune into the earlier rounds. I don't see how he's not uh, kind of a galvanizing figure, like how you don't watch that guy and want to watch more. I think that you care infinitely more about him in the playoffs. I still think that people will watch regular season games and go, it's at a weird time. And we he just saw him. in Denver and yep. And we just saw this team and we'll see you come playoff time. And that's when we'll give you your flowers and we'll look at your statistics. Kind of like we do with Giannis Attentacumbo and go, okay, you're top three for MVP, but you're never going to have the strongest narrative, whatever. Um, now the way that we're looking back on those teams without Jamal Murray, do you think they have one more championship? If Jamal Murray is healthy over the last two seasons? maybe uh, like they were, they managed to be pretty good even without him. And I think, yes, but this is the point. Yeah. It's uh, I, I think I like their chances a little better in 2021, even though they were out a little quickly because Michael Porter jr. Was healthy then too. And no, he wasn't Michael Porter jr. Yet, but like, I don't think that team gets swept by like that Suns team mm-hmm. was good and fun, but I don't think that nuggets team is getting swept by that Suns team, if they have Jamal no Murray, chance. there is a weapon as well. Last year's harder just because they only made it the one round and the Warriors had, you know, that very clear, like, this is our last, it's not our last go, but like, that might be the the last dance for them. So I, I don't know about last year, but I do think 2021 with how weird a season that was and how weird the championship or the whole playoffs unfolded, like probably at least getting there against Milwaukee. It's hard. See, I'm the opposite where I go last year, 2022, if Jamal Murray's healthy, 
that Golden State Warriors team, I'm looking at them this season and going, you guys caught lightning in a bottle in terms of how weak the Western Conference was and your path to the to the finals. And if there was a Nuggets team that would have been in your way with those two guys playing the way that they did this year, I, I think that they would have beat you. Whereas it's just it's tougher for me to project ahead three yeah. extra rounds versus hey, I a hundred percent hundred percent get it. Hundred percent understand the case. All I'm saying is one of the beauties of this championship run is I think it helps solidify Jokic's MVPs, right? Take You take those MVPs more seriously now. Yeah. And also what it did for Jamal Murray is that you go, hey, as great as Jokic is, he never won without Jamal Murray being healthy. And now you look back too at the bubble and the bubble we just like completely throw away. But Jamal Murray was brilliant in the bubble and that's when they went deep was when he had Jamal Murray and both of those guys were not quite primed up to be the players that they were. And so we've also now have, so Jamal Murray has been in the postseason three times. Yeah. They, they've gone five times as a team, but he missed two of them and all three times significant jump mm-hmm. in all of his statistical categories in the playoffs. And obviously he had those games with 20 point fourth quarters. He had the first four games of this finals with like a 42 to 11 assist, the turnover ratio, whatever it ended up being like he averaged 10 assists for the finals. I'm pretty sure is where the number came in. He has very, like, it's Jokic's team, obviously. Mm-hmm. Jamal Murray, I, I say with confidence, now officially has that he brings it an extra level in the playoffs. I love that you called it um, the greatest Canadian performance in playoff history. Yeah, the Steve Nash dragging the zombie Suns to the conference mm-hmm. finals is a is a tough one to look past, but, like, we got to wait the finals as more. And, like, when you go, when you go, what was it, 50... Yeah, 50 to 17 assist a turnover on top of being like a 27-point-a-game guy in the finals. I'm sorry, Steve Nash, but... Yeah, I listen, I agree with it. I think that Nash, looking back on it, still has one of the more heartbreaker careers in terms of especially the big, the big men coming off the bench and costing them the, the series against the Spurs. That will always be an all-time haunt. Um, the fact that Tim Duncan hits a three to send a game to overtime that Suns end up losing an all-time haunt. Like, they were... a they were snake bitten franchise. They had a super cheap owner that screwed them over. Robert Sarver just mm-hmm. ended up giving like essentially gave away Joe Johnson, like right as he's entering his prime. He cheaped out on the team multiple, multiple, multiple times, screwing over Steve Nash's career. But yeah, no, I think you have to give it to Jamal Murray. And here's my ultimate Jamal Murray thing. So if you're doing a redraft of 2016 right now, right now, I think the conversation is there's three guys that go at the very top. It's DeMontis Sabonis, right? No question. Right? Like DeMontis Sabonis. You have Sabonis ahead of Jamal Murray? No, or like I, I'm saying there's three one, guys. The there's three, three guys. It's okay. Sabonis, Jalen, like Jalen Brown, yeah. and Jamal Murray. Out of those three guys. And then Siakam Ingram as kind of a four or five second yeah, tier? Yeah, I, I think that Siakam would be a clear four behind those guys. And that Ingram, to me, even goes behind Siakam, especially given the the health. But that those three guys today, if you were going to every executive in the NBA and saying, hey, you can have one of these three guys today, not their career because Siakam's had a better career. You know, Jalen's had a better career. Murray's been hurt. From today forward. From today forward, out of those three guys, who are you taking? Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm taking Jamal because I'm moving the team to Kitchener yeah. and they're okay. playing right. at, no, a, at an serious. auditorium. Don't um, duck the question. No, it's, uh, I'm it's taking tough. him ahead of Jalen Brown. The question for me is between him and Sabonis straight up. Yeah. And, and I think there, there might be, uh, an instinct to not overreact to Jokic, but like Sabonis is probably the next best passing big man in mm-hmm. the style that Jokic is. He's not anywhere near the level of Jokic right no, now, but he Draymond the, shut him down yeah, for large and portions. He improved of, a lot this year yeah. and he's still on the young side, but like, no, I, I think there is a, a reasonable case to, to take Jamal at the top. And Jalen's a guy that I've liked for a long time, but the last two playoff runs, I, I've 
soured a little bit on what the you know ultimate upside is there. Like I, I still think I mean he's he's been the number two on a lot of near miss teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamal's now been the number two on a championship team, so that's a that's a notch. That's what I mean, it's in, a huge thing. It is a huge a, thing. But he's a number two on a championship team with Jokic, but he did it in a a brilliant enough way. Mm-hmm. 27 points a game for the whole playoffs. Like that's, and and again, like almost 60, 30 true shooting and Mm -hmm. usage rate, the taking over the playmaking duties in the first couple games of this series, as they tried to, you know, zone the nuggets up and and take Jokic's passing away. Like it's, it's hard to poke holes in it. Like the, the real question would be, you know, what is, what is the status of his knee long-term yep. would be the the biggest question mark. Yeah. I think right now though, if you needed a number two that fits up against anybody, mm-hmm. that that's the kind of guy you're taking for a championship winning team. And it's funny because when Jamal Murray was drafted, I actually had my doubts just based on the size. Like I remember watching him a little bit in college and going, there's some times where it's really tough for him to get off his shot. And when he gets to the NBA, I wonder what that's going to look like at and six foot five. I remember I, so like I had a little bit of a, a God, I'm old moment yesterday because like I've been writing about Jamal Murray since he was in high school. Yeah. And like that's that makes you feel old. But like I went back the other day after he had the the four ten assist games in a row. And I went back and I looked at one of the things I wrote when he was at Kentucky for for Vice, I think at the time. And it was basic it was similar to that. It's like I really, really believe in this guy. I really believe in the shooting, but given some of the questions like he probably has to be a point guard mm-hmm. at the next level for it all to work. And like, he, wasn't, he's not an athletic freak at this position for six, five. Like yeah, he's and, not and one like of those six, guys who go, six, wow, six, four, six, five is not mm-hmm. like, obviously it's big. You're, you're not small, but it's not, it's not enough big. size that you're like, Oh yeah, he'll be able to get his shot off at the next level. No problem. Right. Oh, like dude, look at Michael Porter jr. Where it's like, even so Porter jr. Took a horrible shot in that game over bam at where it was late in the clock still, but he pulls up and he tries to shoot over Bam, but he still was able to shoot over Bam because he's six foot ten or six foot eleven with this incredible wingspan, and he can elevate as a freak athlete. And you go, oh right, that's why you're forgiving of Michael Porter Jr. That's why you see him take those shots. Yeah. Jamal Murray doesn't have a physical profile that is, wow, look, he stands out in the NBA. It actually yeah. speaks again even more to like his competitiveness, his smarts, the effort, yeah. and the work that he's putting. And, in and gym. the the, sim- the synergy that him and Jokic have, right? Like, hundred percent. I get it. Some people will maybe be inclined to be like, well, Murray, you know, plays off of Jokic. Jokic is the the most dominant player of the world. That's absolutely true. But like we just laid out, Jokic didn't make those championship runs without him. And and like Jamal Murray makes Jokic better as well. Like that ability, their kind of pick and roll and DHO brain meld and Murray's ability to space for and Murray's ability, honestly, to run point guard a lot of the time so that Jokic isn't running into the ground is a big part of that, too. By the way, I just want to say, like, with this redraft thing, um, the reason why I would also take Jamal Murray, too, is because when I'm looking at the skill set of these guys, these all three of those dudes are number twos, right? And same goes with Siakam and same goes with, you know, Brandon Ingram or DeJounte Murray, who would also be in the, the category of, hey, these are the maybe top five picks um, that would be in this draft. Looking back on it, but yeah, to me, it's like, give me the guy who's the best ball handler in the group. Mm-hmm. Give me the guy who's the best shooter in the group. Give me the guy who's a great teammate in the group. Give me a guy who's one of the hardest workers in the group. Like if you just and, look and at who has already checked the box of brings it extra in the playoffs. Yes. Like not that, I mean, Jalen no, hasn't done, done, done that. In the first round against the team where he grew up. And Pascal's done it as a, uh, lower on the rung. His his playoff run in, in the championship run was like excellent. But again, that was as a number three. All I'll say is when I did the rewatch of the Raptors run, the most impressive guy that I felt got overlooked was 
Marcus Gasol in terms of every game. I wrote down so many notes of like, man, we did not care about Marcus Gasol enough. Oh, but he he didn't shoot as willingly no. as he needed to from no, the top I know. of the it three. Was, it was nuts. Like, go if you ever have a chance to go back and watch those games, you know, you it, can learn you so much away. about defense yes. from just like, no, like I know we all ball watch in, in the, but one of the benefits of like, I would do those Raptor recalibrations yeah. during that playoff run and rewatch all the games and cut video and stuff. Yeah. It's like, man, the, the level Marcus Gasol is on defensively, even though at that point, like physically he, he couldn't do a lot of the stuff that he could do before. Uh, it was cool. And then Kyle, obviously. Yes. Too, but. but here's what I will say. And I will go to my grave with this take. Clearly, clearly, clearly Kawhi is one in that championship run. Gasol is two. If you go, Kyle's two. he's not, he go, if you go through those games and you watch them in terms of the guy they could not live without, it's Gasol. And then it's Kyle. And then at stretches, it's like Siakam, but the, there's like this misnomer that like Siakam was a number two on a championship winning team. It's like he was a four and sometimes he was a five when Fred was hot in the finals and, and Which chasing is fine. Steph Curry. He's like still on his yes. way. He hadn't no, been an all-star he, yet or anything. Fine. Like it's, uh, no, we no, just no. don't need to twist the narrative. It's fine. It's yeah. just that people remember it for the game one against Draymond where Draymond's not even defending him for most of the yeah. game, but it's fine. Anyways. It just, I, I don't know. Where Kyle gets the, yeah. the locked in as number two to me is like, Game seven against the 76ers yeah. was like all, I mean, it wasn't all Kyle. Ka- Kawhi hits the, the buzzer beater and but stuff. Think but think about like, it. Who was the most important guy in the 76ers series from well, a defensive standpoint? Like, Oh, yeah. Well, Marc Gasol. That's for what sure. I mean. It's just, and it's like Gasol like, was probably the most important with Giannis, Giannis other than Kawhi. I'm telling you, man. As well. You know, it's, it's just like Kyle did so many little Kyle things no, in that man, game. I like, know. You can't say it. Drawing charges off of Embiid. And, you're not allowed to say it as a member of like the oh, Raptors community. You have to stand by this. Because, I'm allowed to say whatever I want. No, but you're, you, can't, you can't move <laughs> off this. But I'm telling you, it's like, it's definitely Gasol. But man. He had 26 and 10 in the, yep. in the championship sealer. Yep. It's, and that was an awesome moment for him. Yeah. But throughout the entire finals run, it's Gasol. Gasol is the two. Um, all right. We got to, oh, uh, last for me. Yeah, that's the redraft. That's the way that I like it. Um, I had one more thing from this. I forget it. Uh, that's enough on the finals. Good stuff. Right. Great finals. I enjoyed it immensely. All right. Let's take a really fun NBA year. Really fun NBA year. Hilarious NBA year. Great NBA year. Minus, like, Raptors. So Raptors fans have, you know, a little <laughs> idea that it was actually really fun outside of uh, what was happening with them. Uh, some downs, though, with some, yeah, players not playing. But outside of that, all right. Um, okay, quick break. Let's come back and let's talk about Darko and the Fred thing. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, Botano, best bet coming up. And Blake Murphy flying over to do his show where he's got rock stars joining him we got a whole week of rock stars oh yeah that's pretty cool yeah but then you ruin it with having chris black on <laughs> it's like i'm not listening well it's no so, it's, it's, it's like, when you when you want to have a rock star on yeah. they're like you got to give us uh a, we got to lower the energy but you, you know what i mean like yeah. the contrast now is yeah. steve set yeah that's a tough one anyway so um darko gets introduced today rayakovich the raptors new head coach um what would be your truth serum question today uh, yeah that's a. Uh, I was not prepared for the truth serum one. Yeah. I, I prepared for real questions. Nope. This is a truth serum question. What would you want to know from him today if he would tell you the truth? Would you actually prefer this team trying to win now or would you prefer to coach a team that's developing and you're kind of tearing it down to the studs? Because I, the Raptors are still middle grounding this. Can I answer that question for you? Uh, I would like to do a Serbian <laughs> accent because I think this, he's a go- I've never heard him speak before, but I imagine he says, 
tear it down. Yeah. Start from beginning. Yeah. Rubble. Are, Lat- turn into... are Latvia and Serbia close enough that you're allowed no. to do this? I'm allowed. Okay. <laughs> well, Serbia's not close to Latvia. No. I, I'm just doing I'm those, more meant spiritually. Those, 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 right, yeah. Right. Uh, okay. So that's uh, so one Darko thing that impresses you the most about him. Yeah, I mean, so talking to people around the league, he is a very good connector. Like guy, like people gravitate to him, players and coaches and stuff like that. Um, but you're going to say that about any good assistant. I think the thing that's most interesting to me is that he has been a key part, and this goes back to his time in OKC's G League team, mm-hmm. um, but through Phoenix and OKC and Memphis, he's been a big part in getting the most out of role players and turning them from number fours into number threes or, or solid number twos. And I think that's a I mean, the Raptors have a lot of guys who might be the fourth or fifth best player on a good team. And if you can turn one or two of those guys into the second or third best player on a team, I think that's a big jump. I think getting the most out of role players and turning them from high-end role players into just really good all-around players is a, is a super important skill for where this roster is. Yeah, I was actually thinking about how Precious is a sneaky, important guy with this team given you know yeah. the, the caliber of players they have on this. Yeah. He's an important one for him to develop. Gary's the only guy I think is is an awkward fit given what we know about him just because of like the rapid decision-making and the the premium on, on offensive playmaking. Listen, we're going to do a ton of... We're, you and I will do a full hour on Raptors offseason stuff coming up here probably in the next couple of weeks but the Fred Van Vliet stuff happens yesterday now him opting out is a non-story because yeah. he was always opting out but um the list of suitors is quite long and it's a lot of names that would have been involved for him in the trade deadline so this is a quick rapid this is a rapid fire two-parter level of pressure on re-signing him and where you think the Raptors now stack up in terms of the odds on favorites to land him next year not that high pressure as long Ooh. as you can sign and trade him somewhere um you can't lose him for nothing the oh, pressure yeah, the pressure boy, to not boy. the pressure to not lose him for nothing is 100 I was out of 100 say, Blake, uh, this cap like, no uh, no the pressure to not lose him for nothing is 100 out of 100 okay, but if yeah. you can find your way to a sign and trade um i don't think the darko thing changes the the fred outlook much no. because again the front office is doing the middle ground thing we can go either direction um i don't know i've started to lean more toward he's He's not back just because the the suitors for him are so spicy and they're so fun and there are a lot of sign and trades you can work out that make sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think the pressure is pretty high to if you're gonna walk if you're gonna lose Fred, who's been you know arguably your best player for long stretches of mm-hmm. this era and a huge part of your culture. Uh, yeah, you got to get something back. Yeah, um, I'm getting pretty nervous uh, when I saw those yesterday. Anyways, Blake Murphy, you're the man. Thanks for joining us. It's time for best bets brought to you by Botano Sportsbook, the global. Sports betting operator of 2022. The only sports book that I use because there's a million different options. I absolutely love this book. I've told everybody about it a million different times, a million different ways. But yeah, hit me up if you want to play Botano. Okay, so Jobo just looked at me and said, hey, I'm doing a video today. I'm a curse. I went, okay, cool, thanks. Anyway, Cleveland and San Diego tonight, later one. But it's Joe Musgrove, who I love and has had a bit of a shaky start to his year. And Tanner Bibby, who I also very much like. But these are two teams that are bottom 10 in baseball against right-handed pitching when it comes to OPS. I'm going to go with the first five under in this sucker. Under four and a half runs in the Guardians. And... San Diego Padres game. We'll see you tomorrow. I need to go home.